Welcome to The Treatment with Dr. Rahi. I'm Dr. Rahila Sarbazia, your host. This is your resource for all things health, wellness, and beauty. Hi, it's Dr. Rahi. Today I'm here with two amazingly talented ladies. Um, we're going to be discussing women and aesthetics. I'm with Dr. Rachel, who's based out of Pasadena. She has a practice called Contempo Aesthetics, where she focuses on aesthetics mainly. And I have Bernice Cohen, who travels all around the country teaching new techniques to injectors everywhere. Thanks for coming. I really appreciate it. Thank Thanks you for, for having us. This is an exciting time for aesthetics, and this is a very exciting topic for most people, right? Definitely. I practice aesthetics here in Beverly Hills, and I think it's really important to be able to come together to discuss such an important topic. And it's really nice to have women in aesthetics and, you know, to be able to come together and to bring our ideas and to share everything is a great thing. Yeah, it's sure. becoming a woman's world, right? Mm-hmm. Right now, so yeah. this is a perfect time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so why aesthetics? I know you did medical school residency mm-hmm. and then you obviously did nursing school. What made you guys decide to, you know, join the world of aesthetics? And I feel like just being born a female, you have joined the world of aesthetics. <laughs> 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 We're hardwired, right? We're hardwired yeah. for aesthetics. Yeah, I think it's just like, you know, loving beauty. I mean, I, you got into medicine because you initially like helping people. Yes. And this is something that's elective where people come to you and they seek out and they're, you know, willing to go with your recommendations and they want to see through the results just as you do. So I think it's definitely like a fun, innovative part of medicine. It is a very innovative part of medicine, right? Yeah, I was just thinking why aesthetics for me. I've always been fascinated by beauty. My first career was as an international model in Europe. And I used to watch how they would do, how the makeup artists would do their art and how the lighting technicians would set up and the photographers would set up their lighting in order to get the perfect shadows and highlights and balances. And I was really fascinated by that. And But I saw with, when they were doing makeup, what was missing was sometimes the actual highlight and the actual, you know, low portion. They had to create it. They had to artificially create it. And I was always fascinated by the idea of being able to just kind of mold a face and create it on its own without having to add makeup to it. And so that's why it's super fascinating Mm -hmm. for me to be in this world now that I'm able to physically create that art without makeup in the Um, face. mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, your skin's pretty clear. and Oh, goodness. (laughs) So you do a pretty good job. (laughs) Yeah, so aesthetics is sort of a combination of the art and the medicine, Mm -hmm. but it's also self-care, right? Mm -hmm. Do you feel that when you see your clients, your patients, when they start putting more emphasis into their outward appearance, they're also taking care of their insides as well. It's sort of like it manifests and then they, you know, create a healthier like person. Yeah, I think they each beget Mm -hmm. each other. We're hardwired for aesthetics as females. And when we look in the mirror and we like what we see, it makes us feel good. And that kind of permeates into, at least in my home Mm -hmm. and I think in my, with my patients, it permeates into the rest of their lives. And for without giving any judgment to it, I know a lot of people give judgment to aesthetics and getting you know something done. 
but it is undeniable how much happier it can make. Undeniable. And there's even studies now that show that Botox helps with depression. Depression. (laughs) I just think it's a big motivator for a lot of women. It makes them feel empowered. Like, you know, this is something I'm electing to doing. I'm giving in to like making myself feel good. And, you know, so I think that that really lends itself to self-care and that it's okay to do that. You're not selfish for wanting to do that. Yeah. In our society, it, for without giving judgment again, it is what it is. We, in our society, when you look good, people give, they attribute mm-hmm. more qualities to someone mm-hmm. who's so true. Good. It's mm-hmm. true. All of a sudden that person becomes more intelligent, smarter, wiser, right. taller. All kinds of attributes are attributed to a, a person just because they're attractive. And we innately feel that. Mm-hmm. That's very true. That's very true. So how did you guys start? I mean, aesthetics, when I was starting, I know you guys have been in a little bit longer than I have, but when I was starting, when I was, you know, shadowing other doctors and, you know, taking courses to sort of understand what route I want to take, it was very male dominated. And now there are more and more females, but it's still male dominated. So as a female, how did you start? And tell us your story. Like you were just saying, it because it was so male-dominated, I feel like whenever there is something that's male-dominated and women want to get into it, we have to work harder at it. We have to prove that we are not just as good, but even maybe better. So I feel like we have this chip on our shoulders maybe a little bit that we have to show that we have to prove that we can not only handle this, but we are in just as capable and we're very much equal. So I think that kind of has given me the one up just because it's made me work so much harder. And all of a sudden, like I'm here and it's like, wow, okay, I have this chip on my shoulder. I made it here. Okay, I'm gonna now enjoy this. So I feel like because it was male dominated has actually helped me to become more successful than I would have had it not been male dominated. So thanks you guys. Mm -hmm. Thanks guys. Yeah, Yeah, I have to agree. I mean, most of the, most of my experience prior to even going to medical school was working with male physicians. And I have to say, I mean, it really, you know, it doesn't have to be gender based. It's really about how you approach your patient. It's about how you might explain to them the results that you're going to be able to achieve. And I think that just aesthetics in general has really changed. I mean, back then it's like you were injecting everyone's nasolabial folds and marionettes without first lifting (laughs) the mid face or looking at temples. Temples was not a thing before. So I think it's, Probably women who have kind of you know, said, hey, this is yes, weird. This does not look good. <laughs> not everybody needs to just have filler down here. It's about yeah, right. really making the face look youthful and then adding dimension. And I think that probably was an influence by women breaking into the field, which is awesome. So how would you say a woman's touch is different from a man's when, you know, approaching aesthetics? Or is there even a difference? Maybe there isn't. So I, I think initially, you know, when hyaluronic acids and collagen and stuff like that first came out, for anything to get FDA approved, it needs to show a certain, they use that gaze, the global mm-hmm. aesthetic improvement scale, which has to show a one, two, or three mm-hmm. grade improvement in order to be, to be considered improved. Mm-hmm. So what they were doing in the beginning was aiming for these large cheeks, large lips, large, you know, kind of everything to show like, look how different it looks. 
But 10 years later, we have realized we don't want to look different. We don't want to look done. Mm-hmm. What we want is just to look like 20% better. That's, right. that's good enough. And it's kind of like how we put on our makeup. We'll spend hours putting on our makeup to make it look like we're not wearing we're makeup. Wearing. <laughs> and that's kind of how I approach aesthetics as yes. well. I want to put in a, a ton of time and focus on my patients, making them look a little bit better without making them look done because I know yes. they just want like a 20% improvement mm-hmm. and not different. Mm-hmm. Right. What about you? Do you feel like your touch would be different than a man's? I think it's just like, let's say if you're going in to see a male injector and saying like, this is what I'm looking for, natural lips or natural enhancement. You're not quite sure. Is it translating into like, if you tell your friend or your sister or something, so maybe there is a little bit of, okay, she gets what I'm saying type of thing. Not that there's necessarily, like, not that, you know, male injectors can't have an eye for beauty, but I think women just feel like, okay, I think that she might get what I'm saying or what I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. And so that could be why a woman's touch might be perceived differently than a male's. And sometimes relatability, too, I would Mm -hmm. say, you know. For sure. um, Like, this is a concern for me as a woman and, you know, a female injector might have the same sort of understanding of mm-hmm. that specific concern. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because sure. we feel it. We go right. through it. We yeah. wake up and look in the mirror and, like, we get it. Mm-hmm. We really get it. <laughs> yeah. Like, my uh, husband does not get a lot of the stuff that we do, and it's like... <laughs> In the beginning. And he's a doctor. And he's a doctor. I remember being at uh, lunch with him here in Beverly Hills like 10 years ago. And there was someone sitting next to us who obviously had had a lot of stuff done. And he looked at me and he said, God, I'm so glad that you don't do that stuff. And little did he know, <laughs> that I you had do all literally that just done my Botox 10 minutes before meeting him. And I was like, yeah, me too. So, uh, and we've had that conversation. Like, I don't do it for you because he's always saying I love you the way you are you're so beautiful the way you are you don't need anything and I finally had the conversation that honey I'm not doing this for you I'm doing it for me exactly so that when yes. I look in the mirror I like what I see mm-hmm. and I know you love me and I'm so grateful for that but I really do it for me and I hope that's okay and he has come on board now and he gets it so he doesn't question or ask. <laughs> he doesn't judge anymore right it's yeah. about doing it for yourself too mm-hmm. and that's really right. important I've injected so many women's lips and they've told me like when they come in for follow-up that their boyfriends or husbands have not noticed. What do you guys think of that? Do you guys have experienced that ever? All the time. I think that means we're a good injector. Yeah. <laughs> the best work is like, yeah. injectable. But, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> I would, although I try to keep things natural, I still can tell, you know, if I've injected somebody's lips, I can tell. I you can still you tell. This, like every day you're able to tell like, oh, okay, she's probably healing from lip filler, but they probably think, you know, she's wearing a lip plumper or something. They really, I've had patients, I have a patient who comes in in her workout clothes and she says, my husband thinks I'm at Pilates and he thinks, wow, that Pilates really helps you to lose weight. Your, your chin's more defined, like your jawline's more defined. And I'm like, okay, well, that's great if he really buys that it's from that, you know, so. And that's the goal too, right? is to make that, you know, to just to look so natural. Yes. Like it's it doesn't look like she gets work. Yeah, But exactly. so why are so many men, like significant others against it, but yet they want us to look flawless? I think they see. I think they're against makeup too. Yeah, kind of what Bernice was alluding to. You know, you see this woman who walks around like an advertisement for bad bad work, Mm. and I think that's that's what husbands and boyfriends might associate all aesthetics with. There is, 
you know, I think it's a lot less taboo these days, but there is still sometimes a stigma with getting something done, even though, you know, it's preached now like self-care and do things for yourself. I think some women just know, like, I still know my husband's going to be against me getting Botox or whatnot. Yeah. I have so many patients that wait until their husband is out of town. Yes, me too. They save their their cash under their pillow uh, and they'll come in with a bag of money because it's gone. Yes. Let's go. Yes. <laughs> That's everyone's story. I think that happens to all of us. It's like, oh, my yes. husband's out of town for two weeks. This, this is when right. I come in. Right. I'm going right. to so here's my plan. Yeah. I have to do the, <laughs> they go through the whole list. So, yeah. For healing. So the woman with the really bad plastic surgery or the bad aesthetics, is there, is that reversible? Is there ways? Yeah. Is there, are there ways it to depends fix it? what's been injected. Mm-hmm. If it has been silicone or any of the permanent things that we hear about or that, that they used to use, then no. And then we just have to try to camouflage mm-hmm. around it. But if it's hyaluronic acids, mm-hmm. I we just continue to hyaluronidase, meaning put that enzyme inside mm-hmm. and continue to take it out, take it down over time. Mm-hmm. And the muscles, you know, have a lot to do with it too. When muscles are, are contracting constantly, it can push that hyaluronic acid superficial. Mm-hmm. So even though they may not have started off mm-hmm. looking done after several years because of the muscular contractions and swelling and whatnot, it can make them look done. So either way, they have to be treated with a hyaluronidase to take it down. Yeah, that's. I guess that's what scares mm-hmm. most people is, yeah. you know, things that have happened in the past and that, mm-hmm. and that and now like technology is changing so much and aesthetics is changing so much mm-hmm. and so tell me some of like your favorite technologies and things that you guys are really excited about and like the ever-changing world of aesthetics well for me i think i mean i've really been using threads a lot in my practice in conjunction mm-hmm. with the fillers yeah. you know and i think that you know, threads have come a long way. Threads are so good. Yes. And, and, there, so and there's a lot now. of stigma yes. of threads. Yeah. So maybe you can get into that too. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think probably like 15 years ago when they first came out, they were really superficial. I mean, you had to make the two holes for the ports. And they were plastic and they yes. just dissolved. And they looked and in they were certain cur- lining. Yeah, they were you could see it. You could see the threads. And so I think the technology's come a long way. They're able to last longer now. But I also think it's the right patient selection. And that's why good communication with your patients is so important. Because if they're not willing to see through the results of why they might need a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a little bit of skincare they're never going to get the most optimal results. So I think it's also patient selection and just making sure that they understand that, you know, it's really a multimodality. It is. It really is. And then also the maintenance, I think, sometimes people think, well, we got here. Like, see ya Is this permanent? That's a question I always get asked. Is this permanent? How long is this going to last? Nothing's nothing's permanent. So I should come back in four years? Yeah. (laughs) No, you're going to continue to age. Right. Right. Yeah. No. I'm really loving the biostimulators, the collagen stimulators, the fat stimulators. That is super exciting so to me. So Yeah. And what's the fat stimulator? That so you- I've been working a lot with a new company. They're called Renuva. Mm-hmm. And they stimulate the patient's own. It is a, a cellular matrix. There is no, there are no cell, live cells in there. There's no DNA in there. What it just does, it's kind of like a honeycomb that pulls the patient's own fat stimulating properties so it'll grow the patient's own fat wherever you inject it and that is super exciting to me because I've been injecting Sculptra for the last you know 14 years now and love it 
Sculpture gives great yeah, results. Yeah, it gives great results and it stimulates collagen because we're losing collagen. You know, we're shrinking essentially for the first what's 22 the rate, years of your what's life. The rate at, we're losing, what's the rate that we lose collagen every year? You know? So for the first 22 years of your life, you're growing mm-hmm. and then you essentially start for better, for lack of a better word, decaying. Don't tell your patients that, but you essentially start shrinking. And After you 22, to shrink. so at 23, you're, <laughs> you're done. done. <laughs> you're cooked. That's it. May as well throw in the towel. That's it. You just are not growing anymore. And by the age of 33, your collagen really takes a dive and, and really slows down its growth. So unless you replace your lost volume, your lost collagen, your lost fat, bone, all the stuff that are shrinking, you're just going to continue to shrink. So it's exciting that we have these stimulators now that can replace your collagen, that can replace your fat, and to keep you looking like you. That's the key, to keep you looking like you. So I'm loving the injectables that get placed everywhere more as skin conditioning as opposed to just filling one area. That's how I'm using them. That's great. Mm -hmm. That's great. And what what inspired your styles in terms of like approaching your aesthetics when you see a patient? For me, like I said, I did rotate with a doctor from my, who was an alumni from my residency program. I did like her style of having a little bit more like a boutique medical aesthetics practice. Is that what yours is like? Yes. And I would say I took that model and kind of made it my own. And I think it's just like, you know, I serve an elite population of like the Pasadena, greater LA area who do, are busy women and I want to respect their time. So I do try to keep it more like, okay, we're doing your case this morning and this is what we're going to work on. And she knows she's not going to have to wait and I'm going to be able to see her. And she feels like my time is dedicated to her. So that's the model that I try to keep too. Of course, around the holidays, it does get pretty busy. So it's a little hard, but I try to keep to that model. That's great. So individualized like time with you. Exactly. That's great. Because I know I've heard stories of injectors not even talking to the patients just coming in injecting and leaving right so sometimes patients will say oh wow like the last time i don't even know what i had done it just happened and yeah or like they don't even know the products that were injected in their faces i always try to be very clear like this is this is the name of whatever you're getting how long it's gonna last yeah you should come back so i mean and it doesn't make one style right or wrong it just it's what suits me and then the patients who do seek me out that's Mm -hmm. also what they're looking for so it's a match that sense Gosh, what has influenced my style? I was just thinking so many individuals have influenced my style. I went to a course years ago with, it was called The Blueprint, with Arthur Swift and Kent Remington. They're from, their doctor, their injectors from Canada. I'm from Canada. And and they really influenced me because they started talking about balance and harmony in the face and looking at the entire face, including the head and the skull and all of its structures as well, instead right. of just focusing on one area. And that kind of made, I was like, wow, I've never even thought about it like that. So since then, I look at the entire face that's aging because it's not just one area that's aging your entire body is aging. And if you just focus on one area, you're going to look done. It's going to look unbalanced. So it's all about balance and harmony. So if someone has lost a lot of volume in their temples, Mm -hmm. for instance, it'll make their cheeks look wider and bigger, even though they've never even done cheek filler. So I'll really talk to my patients about balance and harmony in their face and getting everything looking even and balanced. 
There's this thing called Phi Proportions, and it's based on the one to 1.6 ratio. Everything that humans find attractive or compelling in nature, you can attribute a Phi mathematical mm -hmm. measurement to, like a, sna a snail shell or beautiful flowers. And so according to that principle, you could essentially Phi out any face. Mm -hmm. So I'll look at every single patient's face as their own unique five mathematical measurements in order to kind of give them their beautiful youth back. Wow. Or health. My goal is to make them look healthy, not do young. You still use healthy, and that's why it, mentally, I do. Mentally. Okay. <laughs> yeah. say, they're pretty sharp. You know the course, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're sharp, yeah. They're sharp. Like, the the, the calipers that actually come with the course. To measure. Yes. Yeah. 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 But it's actually yeah. pretty spot on when yeah. you're measuring all the different mm -hmm. areas for fun. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, you were saying it makes them look healthier, and yeah. aesthetics helps you achieve mm -hmm. that. But I mean, I think that for you to have the most optimal results mm -hmm. in whatever procedure you get, you also have to like focus on the inside too. Mm -hmm. And that's what I really focus on, like combining the two. Because you can't, you know, you can't go and get Sculptra and then go out and eat McDonald's and then mm -hmm. expect, you know, your body mm -hmm. to like stimulate that collagen that it needs to stimulate in yeah, like the way absolutely. that it should. Mm -hmm. I'm constantly talking to my patients about healthy lifestyle, working out, exercising. I'm a vegetarian myself. So, <laughs> so I, I kind of constantly talk to them about, you know, you want to protect your investment because this stuff is expensive. It is. So keep yourself well hydrated and exercise and meditate, things like that. Control, you know, keep your anxiety down. We live in a very anxious world mm -hmm. I think right now and people really are feeling that yeah. so I mainly focus on them taking care of themselves and themselves first yeah for anything else yeah yeah so a few more questions what obstacles did you guys encounter on your route to becoming the fabulous aesthetic injectors that you are as women specifically <sighs> Do you want to take this one first or do you want um, me to take this one? Sure. So, I mean, for me, yeah. like I initially thought, so I did my residency in family medicine. I did start out in a private practice in Pasadena, hoping it would help, you know, the business side of things are not something you learn in medical school or residency. It's really for you to like figure out and fend for yourself type of thing. So I initially had thought, you know, family medicine might be a way to get patients or clientele. And I quickly learned that that was not the best route, at least for me. A lot of patients would think, well, okay, Botox is going to be covered today by my insurance. So there are a lot of misconceptions, I think, and it wasn't a population that had been too exposed to aesthetics. I found for me, so it's a, like a trial and error. I found actually becoming friends with a lot of the stylists in Pasadena, mm -hmm. aestheticians, yes. stylists, was actually kind of this gold mine for us. <laughs> It was like one stylist told their 10 stylist friends, they all tell their clients. And then, you know, they tend to trust their their hairstylist mm -hmm. more than their medical professional. That's true. To be That's true. It really is true. So um, people do listen to their yes, hairstylist, but they really don't do. listen to their doctors. Yes, so very this true. Is so a true I, story. I found that out after residency. So that was like, okay, this is so you know, I think that that was just finding that out that this is actually word of mouth. The power of word of mouth is actually the best referral service. 
was. Yeah. And so I think that was a challenge in the beginning as far as trying to grow the business. But once we found that, we got our stride. I think now, now that I'm, you know, we're in the process of like starting our family, you know, and I have one year old at home. So it's like that work-life balance <laughs> that you try to find as a yeah. working woman who has her own business but also how to be, you know, and have enough time to be a mom. And exactly. a wife and exactly. every other thing yes. that you have to be exactly. as a woman. <laughs> Any obstacles that you've encountered along the way, Bernice? So, okay, I, I'm a nurse. Yes. And in nursing school, we were taught to pretty much, you know, you obey the doctor, you <laughs> yes, fulfill doctor. the doctor's orders, <laughs> and you're there for the doctor. And when I was in nursing school, my husband, who is a cancer surgeon, he would help me study and, and whatnot. And he was So you guys have been together for... About almost 20 years now. Okay. <laughs> and he was, he was, he couldn't believe we had to essentially learn the same thing that they had to learn in medical school. And he told me that again and again, you guys have to learn all this stuff, but you're not really allowed to implement all that. And that was frustrating for me in the beginning because I'm German, I'm a doer, I <laughs> like to get my hands on and do things and make my own decisions and I'm very independent. And so that was a big barrier for me. And I remember years ago being at a convention in Las Vegas with one of my good friends, Rand Rusher, who is a famous injector here in Beverly Hills. And we were the only nurses oh, at, I this, met him at this yes. um, plastic surgery convention. And there was a, one of the courses was entitled, what do we do about the physician extenders problem? They viewed us as the problem. You mean as nurse injectors a problem? Because they viewed us as taking away potential business from them. That's silly. And there was a whole course designed, like, how do we get rid of these guys? And Rand and I were sitting in, you know, sitting Did you go to the lecture? Each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I we would have gone. We were the only two in there. We kept looking at each other like, shoot, we're going to lose this thing that we love. And I think we, like what we talked about earlier with you have to work harder to prove yourself yourself if it's not a traditionally infiltrated you know area like the nurses starting in aesthetics we had to prove that we could do it you know not only just as good but even maybe better. better and so i just studied and studied and studied i went and sucked up every piece of information i could when it came to aesthetics I stay up late at night still to this day, three o'clock in the morning. I'm looking, you know, at YouTube videos you and Instagram <laughs> and not really, not a lot. So th that was a big obstacle and just proving that it's okay. And I understand, you know, these surgeons have gone to school for so many years in order to do surgery and to get this. But aesthetics uh, is different from it. surgery. Aesthetics yeah. is different. So, you know, and there's room for us all. Mm -hmm. So right. no need like to like... Yeah. create a course that's ill-intentioned. <laughs> um, right? Yeah. But that was like, you know, yeah. 15 years ago now. So I feel like it, we're... Times have changed you know, a lot. Yeah, like, for sure. Mm -hmm. Last question. So what advice would you give to some young women out there who are interested in going to nursing school, medical school, and want to pursue a career in aesthetics? What advice would you say? Words of advice. I think this is a super exciting time. I think you guys are really, really lucky to be entering right now because there's a whole I know, world. Now is to enter. <laughs> there's a whole world out there, and it's a wonderful profession. You get to incorporate 
your artistic abilities, your mathematical abilities, your science abilities, mm -hmm. your love of human anatomy and physiology. I'm super passionate about it. I love it. I can't get enough. And I think just go for it. Work really hard. Don't look at what other people are doing. Mm -hmm. Just stay the course. Focus on your mm -hmm. own passion. You're going to find your niche. Don't worry about what anyone else is doing. You're going to find your niche and you're going to be really good at it because you you are you. Mm -hmm. So pursue you. Mm -hmm. that's, my, that's, that's my advice. I love that. Great. Uh, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think that, you know, and you have to, just like when people choose to, break into medicine, you have to do it for the right reasons. And I, I feel like aesthetics is the same way. You have to, not just because, oh, this is gonna be fun, it's gonna be easy, but you, it's a dedication to the art of aesthetics and to your patients. So you always want to stay on top of learning, you know, the safest, most effective way to deliver results. And you, like Bernice was saying, you have to want to work hard and there are going to be barriers every now and then and just, to be ready to face adversity. So I think if you come into it with kind of that attitude, like you'll succeed. So you have to want it for the right reasons, I think. Right, great. Yeah. And enjoy the road, enjoy the way there. Right, because there's enjoy. ups and downs mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. you know, there's periods where you don't think it's gonna happen. Yeah. And you know, in med school and residency, right. even after when you start right. your own business, exactly. you're like, ah, what are we doing? It's definitely yeah. not easy. Yes, it's not. I worry about my patients, I think, just as much as yeah. my husband worries about his patients. It's uh, very true, yes. And, uh, you take your patients home with you, even though yep. you mm -hmm. don't, like, you're not supposed to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm yeah. constantly... You guys are always there with me, my yeah. heart. <laughs> that's why we're here. Yes, that's why we're here, yeah. Yep, exactly. Cool. So, yeah. Thank you so much for coming. I think this was really great. I think women should get together more often to discuss aesthetics or anything in general but this was really fantastic and I felt like I learned a lot exciting time I want to do more sculpture I might practice it <laughs> yeah I can train you I'm happy to seriously <laughs> yeah thanks for taking out your morning and coming out and I can't wait to watch this so stay tuned and we'll see you next time bye so if you like what you heard and you're motivated to live the best you please subscribe to the podcast 